Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. I'm coming to you from the North Shore of Oahu, where weekly I interview some of the world's most inspiring people from business, philanthropy, and entertainment. I love collecting humans, and these are some of my favorites I've found along the way. This podcast is brought to us by Capita Financial Network. Do you need help with the next steps of your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, state attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call or schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. Today, we have on our podcast, Matt Masucci, um, who is the founder and CEO of HireWell. And he's going to talk a little bit about his experience as an entrepreneur, what it's like to find the world's best talent and pair them with the best companies, um, what he's learned on his journey that, as we know, for those of us who are entrepreneurs or have been investors in and supported and been enablers of entrepreneurs, um, on their journey to success it is not for the faint of heart right matt <laughs> yeah well, hey well we're so happy to have you on thank you so much for coming on the show today yeah thanks Lindsay. excited to be on so matt what i'd love to start with just hearing a little bit about you you're based in chicago what got you in this industry like tell us your journey where you know where did you start out in life and what brought you here today yeah it's it, it, you know i would say it's never really a straight line i was uh an accounting major coming out of the University of Illinois, worked for the big uh, public, you know, accounting consulting firms as at Deloitte and, you know, traveling five days a week and just hated it. Felt like I wanted to do something different. I got into executive search, worked for kind of a, a large, you know, global player for a couple of years. Just wasn't completely sold on that. And, uh, you know, many moons ago, um, you know, ended up kind of making the switch to start my own business sort of in the uh, depths of the uh, dot-com crash and uh well, you know kind of s- started there and it's kind of been a slow kind of steady ish 20 20 year run you know as part of higher wealth incredible so you started out uh, working for another company as uh in their executive search team tell me a little bit what, what you said it wasn't really for you to really feel it what, what was it about it was it the culture of the company how they did things because you obviously yeah, took- so I was technically at two different firms. The first firm I was that was a bigger one. The second one was a boutique firm. Um, you know the, uh, the 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 executives were all people who you know had kind of 10, 15 years plus of experience. And, and what I saw like is that they just you know it was a slowing market back in the the, the dot com crash days. These people who had, you know allegedly had 15, 20 years of experience just really didn't have. They were so far removed from the day to day. They didn't have client relationships. They weren't really able to to sell our way out of a, a challenging market. And, and so, it just kind of made it clear, like working for other people who were the quote unquote experts, but you know, don't really do the job anymore. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for me. It was kind of sort of the ethos for what we're building as a firm: is how do we build a place that scales, solves our clients' problems, but ultimately the leaders need to be successful. Oh wow. That's incredible. So you, as you were building this, you, you just realized you could do some things better. You, you had this like vision that felt like there was like this, this pain point or this value opportunity. And but you said you started it during the crash of the tech industry. I mean, there were, there were just tons of people needing work. 
you probably didn't have a lot of people having brand signals to hire. Or am I wrong? Like, I yeah. My oldest amount of firm went out of business. So it wasn't like this was some like brave entrepreneurial, you know, leap of faith. I mean, I either had to do, you know, I either had to start my own business or, you know, get out of the business completely. So, you know, I, I thought there was the opportunity to do it better, to kind of fix an industry that was broken and, and, and very fragmented. Um, but, you know, truthfully, it, it took a lot longer to kind of get off the ground. Unexpected. It was a pretty good solid, you know, two and a half, three years before, like, we were really on sort of stable kind of solid footing. Because, yeah, that first year was really soft. I mean, you know, kind of a long, long time ago. But started in May of 2001. Had, you know, and didn't have a whole lot of business because the dot com crash. Then you have September 11th hit. You know, like four months after we launched. You know, that first year was tough. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, kind of the resilience and, and sort of the the spirit of just kind of refusing to to quit it or refusing to fold it in is, is kind of what you know is what was instilled in me at, at, a, at a pretty young age. Because you know, quite honestly, like I just the fear of failure, the fear of like admitting something's not going to work is just you know terrifies me and then that just kind of you know gets me to just sort of do whatever it takes to kind of you know achieve some success so okay this is a more existential question or like a psychological question but a lot of people have a fear of failure at what is it that makes you push through and keep trying because there's a ton of people that will try or start was it just desperation that you had to provide you had to come up with an income or um, was there something no i was you know i mean i was single at the time, no, no wife, no kids. So there's really nobody else. I mean, it's just, it's kind of just proving people wrong. Like my parents thought I was nuts to leave, you know, a big, you know, recognizable firm like Deloitte to do this. So, I mean, it's probably a lot of that, just like not like having to go back to my parents say, oh, you know, I was wrong and I screwed this up. Like I need to move back home or I need money or I need this or that. And so just, you know, just again, that the refusal to, 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 you know, have it be, you know, a failure or, you know, all the people when I left Deloitte, like who thought this was the best job in the world and like, oh my God, why do you want to be a head hunter? That's, that's crazy. You know, same thing, but just, just that, that, that drive to just not admit yeah. I was wrong. I guess simple as that. I love that. So everybody's going to want to know, like whether they're in a, a contractor or an employee that wants to grow in their career or you're a business owner and wants to hire the best talent. Give advice to every, all the listeners. We have a lot of people on both sides of that table. Um, yeah. You know, both sides of the table, I should say. Uh, what advice would you give them to make, first of all, let's start with those who to be recruited. What what can they do to, to make themselves stand out, get the best earning? Is it something about, you know, profile on LinkedIn? I mean, like, where do you find people? What, what's the best way to make sure you're out there so that people, you get a lot of demand signals and make yourself uh, have the best potential. Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn is 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 the single biggest you know change. I mean, I, I you know when I got into this business, like it was, you know, LinkedIn didn't exist. You know, email barely did. I, I, there were some companies I think that were still faxing, you know, resumes. So it's you know, kind of the dinosaur. But it was just the concept of a Rolodex was a lot more powerful back then because that's all people had. Um, and so it's, now it's all been digitized. But like you know, it's. It, and in some ways it's been commoditized. It makes it very easy to be found. And that's sort of the bare necessity of, of, of what you need to do is, is kind of be able to be found. But it's much more important than that, especially in a market like this. And the power of relationships, the power of networking, like whatever you want to do to to 
to move up and progress in your career, whether it's your internal organization or do something else. Like, you know, like success is 100% driven by, you know, people either above you or in other organizations caring about you and, and, and want to give you the chance to, to, to do something. So again, it, it's, you know, anybody who's making a job change, I always say, Hey, start in your current employer. Like what are your opportunities to move up there? And the only way you move up is by being, you know, valiant, hardworking, proactive, you know, great employee. But like that, those same things will then make you attractive and, and, and desirable by other places. But again, by having those people know you, trust you, like you, and, and, and want to hire you, like that is the best way to always get a get a new opportunity. Right. So just just building real relationships with potential yeah. work. work, work. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what to look for on LinkedIn. Or what to, for how to present yourself. Give, you know, advice like when you're looking for somebody, you're like. Is there some tried and true formulas or some good hacks you can, you know, advise on tips? Yeah, there's a lot you can do, you know, I mean, you want to strike the balance somewhere between be like, you know, it, it, it's not exactly like the same as a resume, but it's very much a bio. So you want it to be, you know, really articulate who you are, what you've done and where you've been. And, um, you know, by, you know, kind of just demonstrating all those things. So it's just, it, it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things you can do, but I, I think like, you know, the, the best is sort of look to sort of people you aspire to be like, and it, it kind of, kind of copy theirs for lack of a better way to put it. Like there's, there's a whole cottage industry of people or places that will try to charge you for this sort of thing. And, and I'm very leery about that. Uh, but like I said, just by, you know, being able to, to build up experiences and, 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 you know, be found, it's, it's the best way to do it. That's so great. That's such a great idea. Just go find somebody whose career you admire and model it after them yeah um that's a really great idea um do you think producing a lot of content on linkedin is helpful to like grow you know optics does that actually help algorithmically confirms like yours and companies you know find it's, you? it's interesting i got you know my my firm you know probably five years ago really leaned in heavily into content and 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 you know not as like a corporate brand even though yes we obviously wanted people to talk about higher well and, and sort of who we are and what we do really like lean in to do it themselves because i think like building your own personal brand is you know phenomenally important in, in anything you do but anything that is like in the people business right and so you know if, if the you know again the days of, of you know making 70 cold calls a day like is that the best thing to do i personally don't think so i mean it depends on the industry but like you know like everything is sort of marketing and your own personal branding so it's super vital to, to put out content and be seen as a thought and industry leader because, you know, there's plenty of studies that'll show like, you know, by having a you know, knee recognition or whatever, like if somebody needs to see your knee three, four, five, six times before they really recognize it, remember it, and they're more apt to buy. So whatever you can do to, to build. That's super helpful. And in terms of the company that's trying to attract the best talent, what advice do you have? And hire you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's a simple answer, Lindsay. Just hire, hire well, and it, you know, we do the rest for you. Um, but it, it's, it, it's so much deeper than that, right? Like you need to, you need to kind of have a clear vision of, of who you are, where you're going, and then how you're going to build the team to get you there. These aren't like the most profound thoughts, but you'd be surprised how many places struggle with it. And, you know, it really over the last like four years has been such a drastic turn in the job market that it, it's tough because, you know, four years ago, pre COVID, you know, market is going up steadily and then all of a sudden you know covid hits and it's a big crash and then it booms after that and then it's 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 gotten hit pretty hard again and so you know how do you maintain kind of a strong culture and a strong sort of 
you know, value prop as an organization and, and, you know, be able to share that vision with prospective employees of the, you know, where you're going as a company, who are the people you are needing to get there? And then how do you get them excited about joining you? And, and it, it's, it's tough. And, and, you know, like I said, it's, you know, it, it needs to start at the top, but it needs to be sort of like believed and felt by everybody in the organization or, all right, like, you know, times are going to be hard. It's not always perfect, but like, is there enough here that this is the type of place that like, you know, it's going to be a good spot to work and, and people are going to want to work there for two, four, five, ten plus years. And then, you know, what are the reasons for that? It's, it's typically satisfaction, career growth, you know, strong potential to make strong compensation, you know, enjoying their coworkers and, and, you know, all the different things that people care about. So you just have to, you have to build all those, all of those things and, and, and you know, not make it something where people are just going to, you know, just want to jump the, the first sign of something better elsewhere. So Matt, um, as you are in this stage, you've been around for how, how long has your company been incorporated? 20 years? More. A little bit more. In <laughs> okay. So at this stage, how big are you guys? So we're, yeah, you, so we, we, yeah, we've grown pretty rapidly over the, these last three, four years. We you took, we raised some outside investment from a company called Pride Tech. We've done a couple acquisitions. We've invested in technology to kind of, you know, further, you know, tech enable our, our processes. So, you know, Globally, we're about 150 employees on, you know, on basically three continents. We're, you know, primarily in the U.S., but we have people in Europe and in Asia. Um, you know, we we do everything from executive search. We do kind of cross-functional team building where we help companies hire, you know, like build out teams and kind of do major transformations. Um, you know, all of that all of that is powered by a couple of the technology companies that we have. That, you know, kind of help companies or help our team, you know, utilize tech to be more efficient and engage, you know, clients in a, in a better capacity. So, yep. So it's, it's kind of been a pretty big growth. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and, and how, how about you? And you, did you end up with wife and kids? You were saying at the time you didn't have wife and kids. <laughs> yeah, I do now. I mean, that's what happens. Of course, of 20 years, yeah, I've got a, a wife and two, uh, two teenagers. So yeah, excited. Amazing. So tell us a little bit, like, I'd love to know what the market is like right now in terms of jobs. I mean, I know I have several friends who are looking for jobs and having a hard time in it. Um, the market, you know, seems, I mean, obviously we've been going through some financial stress uh, economically, but as a country, but what are you kind of seeing? And um, does it de obviously depend on where you are and what industry or like how Maybe share some of the insights you have there are helpful. Yeah, that's kind of the, you know, quite literal million dollar question is like, what is going on in the market? And it, it is, it's complicated. The, uh, you know, unemployment still, you know, near historical lows. I mean, I think going into like probably, you know, 12 months ago is 3.4%, right? Historically, 5% is like what is expected for unemployment. We've been way below that forever. You know, over the past year, you know, like, like the, you keep thinking, are we in a recession? Are we not? And, and you know, quite honestly, we haven't been. You know, at least by the, the practical terms, you know, by that, you know, no contraction. Yeah. GDP, spending, GDP's been growing. Um, but like, but I think you know. So that's at the macro level. Like when you look at more like specific areas, it's 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 not great, right? And, and you know, so there has been a pretty hard hit area um, in specific sectors. Tech has been probably the biggest. You know, I mean, like the. The, the world of, of sort of venture capital and, and, and you know companies that are raising a lot of money to to grow like that spigot has just been crushed i mean like the venture capital you know numbers are, are down like 50 percent year over year and, and you know like the, the access to capital has really made things challenging um you know and it's largely driven by the obviously the the drastic you know rise in interest rates so you know 
again, it depends what you do. It's it's hard. Not you know, like there, but we're a pretty diverse company. So we, you know, we've got a group that does supply chain and manufacturing recruiting, and that's been pretty strong. Um, you know, we have a group that does you know sales and, and, and go to market recruiting, and, and again, that's been pretty strong because people are still traditionally hiring, you know, hiring salespeople. But you know, Good. and where that was a year ago or a year and a half ago is heavy, you know, SaaS and, and, and tech companies, and it's it moved too much more to. Um, you know, industrial and, and kind of more sort of old school industries, kind of for lack of a better way to put it. So, so yeah, so like, yeah. for short, like it can be challenging, you know, and quite honestly, the area that's got hit the hardest is, is like recruiting and, and, and talent acquisition. So that that's been like, you know, we have a practice that places, you know, corporate recruiters. We also provide outsourced recruiters or embedded recruiters for our clients. And, you know, that was just an absolutely booming area up until kind of mid part of 22. And it's really, you know, it's taken a hit. And so, you know, again, if you're on LinkedIn, you'll see people like that are in kind of the, the recruiting, your kind of internal talent acquisition space. And it's been an area that's been at a struggle because, you know, companies built up these areas, you know, heavily over the last two years. And then they just, at the first time, slow down. They, they cut it because that's just an easy place to cut costs. And it's, you know, it's painful because these are the ambassadors for a company that like help you hire all those people and then just to turn around and fire early. It's not great. Yeah. That's super painful. Um, can people, I mean, obviously if the company's trying to hire, they're the ones that pay you for the for the talent acquisition. So that's like the very old school way. It, it, it's, it's still probably the most common. You know, so we we engage clients in three ways. You know, one is just that like you need to hire one person. You know, we traditionally charge a you know a percentage of salary that's you know on average you know, 25 to 30 percent salary or I guess total compensation. Um you know, and it's still a big part of what we do, but the two other areas that kind of like fast is growing, it's it's for companies that need to, you know, the stuff that gets us most excited is companies that need to hire 10, 20, 30 or something. And those fees can get pretty exorbitant when you're charging those types of numbers. So we traditionally, you know, it'll be more like kind of like an engagement fee to, to work with us and like a flat cost prior is, is one way we do it. Um, you know, we'll also provide like dedicated like our recruiters to work on behalf of your company where they, you know, we call that like embedded or on-demand recruiting. They always charge a flat monthly cost for that. So you need to hire, like again, if you need to hire 30 or something, you don't have to necessarily pay a fee for all of them, but you absolutely need the high-touch consultative approach to help you. So that's what we, we set it up. So, you know, it's anywhere from like, those are our monthly kind of monthly retainers that they're paying us to, to work on their so you know, I mean, the flexibility is kind of what's caused us to grow a ton, and I think it's what it's kept our clients working with us. You know, we we've got relationships clients we work with for five, ten plus years, and you know, because of our ability to sort of scale with them and, and provide sort of flexible, customizable solutions. Amazing. Well, that's that's exciting and cool that you've you've gone through highs and lows and you've taken the journey. Is what advice do you have, or any stories you have for an entrepreneur that's Maybe in your industry, somebody who's getting started um, at any point, or even just someone who's starting a business and like, do you have any like little gold nuggets that you want to like have your teenagers listen to this podcast one day and hear about? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mentioned resilience before, like that's like, it's number one. I mean, you know, try to solve what's the problem you're solving for, like, you know, can you actually do it and, and, and do it in a way that like, you know, companies will pay you for, but it, it's, yeah. it's never going to be easy. You know, like there's. I'm a pretty understated person. Like there'll be people out there who love to to tweet and post about their success and their growth. And you know, very few people have a straight up, you know, 
like straight, you know, a hockey stick growth. Like usually it, it, it stops the starts and it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to, everything's going to be a little bit harder than you think it's going to be, you know, that like there's things that are outside your control, largely the market or the, you know, maybe the industry you're in. So it kind of just goes back to resilience. Just like have the belief in yourself, work at it and, and just recognize, Hey, you can do it. But, you know, but at the same time, like entrepreneurialism, it's just, it's not for everybody, you know, because it, it's just, it's hard. Like it, it's, you know, like the, you care about something so much and like, it, it's, you know, like, again, like back to what I said before, like you'll just work and kind of do whatever it takes for success. But like, you know, it's just, that's not for everybody. And, and, you know, I mean, some people like, it's just, it's, it's easier to kind of work in a, like a, a defined structure with less ambiguity. And you just have to kind of decide for yourself if, if, if you want and can kind of handle that. Cause the stress is, is real. Like I wish, you know, I wish it was all easy. There's plenty of nights that, you know, I, lie in bed, just kind of thinking, you know, what I could do or how I could do things differently. And, you know, and that's 20 years into it, right? You know, but it's, it's still it kind of never stops. So our, you know, another point I think would be helpful for listeners is like negotiating either, like, especially as I think probably most of the listeners would be people that, you know, um, would want to negotiate the best deal for themselves. Um, do you have any, after being in the middle of so many back and forth negotiations, do you have any advice? on for example somebody else one and, and get a raise and yeah he- it's tough i mean there's there's very different schools on negotiation i i you know i had to like sort of nine box my uh my strengths and weaknesses you know truthfully negotiation is, is you know it's, it's not my number one strength like i i'm i'm kind of a compromiser by nature and i try to find middle ground i think it's made me good as a recruiter because i think that's what the, the key to you know the key to being a good recruiter is just helping two sides sort of meet in the middle and, and making everybody work right like you know, you, there's always like cliches of like you know the side of a good deal is with both parties aren't exactly happy <laughs> right um but like you know but like there's like the people who are good negotiators they don't believe that right like they want to win everything and, and so like i said it, it's personally not a strength i mean i believe like i've always believed in the long haul like you know you you you, you know you're in it to win the war and not to win kind of the individual battles. Yeah, totally. And so like you, you might lose one or two things here or there, but knowing that, all right, I'm going to win eventually. That's always yeah. been my philosophy, but you know, it's, it's, it can be a long game and, and that's not fair. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, I also am like very, uh, compromising by nature and, um, and really high, I really had agreeability, even though I'm, I'm have a strong personality and a bit of leaders, leadership positions. And I, state you know what, what i think is right and everything but generally speaking it's like i'm like as long as we get the deal done as long as we're working together like I, my for me it's it's based on relational equity you know and everyone being happy and uh and it's played such a strength in my career and in my interpersonal relationships for the most part but do you ever run into uh situations where people because they're so compromising they are just leaving tons of value on the table or they're missing or they're kind of you know do you do you find um, yourself kind of watching third party you're supposed to be on behalf of kind of both parties winning but do you ever see someone just like oh if you so undersold themselves and it's painful and what do you see yeah like you know you, yeah that's a good question and i think one one interesting thing like so it, you know a lot of like the labor laws are at the state level and you know being in illinois it's a you know it's a more of a an employee friendly state um you know follows like california and new york on that and so they, you know, like they've, they've changed like kind of salary history. Like you can't ask salary history here. You know, they want you to post jobs, you know, then you want to post salary ranges. 
and like those have made a, a huge difference. Like, you know, again, like recruiters were up in arms like five, whatever, five, six years ago. And that was a thing like, oh my God, we can necessarily with their salary history is how we're going to do our jobs. And like, you know, you adapt, that's just the nature of it. But like, it, it's, you know, there's like, there's definitely, you know, some, a lot of issues with like gender and kind of, you know, racial equity. Hey, oh. you know, like where you're at dictates what you typically get. And so, you know, it's hard to get out of like, you know, I mean, you know, the, 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 the stats, have, you know, yeah. show that men are paid more than women. So, you know, like that, you know, I'm not usually a, a fan of like, like the government stepping in for like to regulate certain things, but that's a one where I think it was a pretty good one where it just, you know, like you shouldn't be defined by where you're at. Now it goes the other end of the spectrum where people just like, they see a salary range of a hundred to 200 K and like, oh, great. I want 200 K, but like, it doesn't mean you're you're worth that. Like it's based on your careers and then you stack up internally and externally for a role and then for the various candidates for the job. And so you, you'll see some people shoot themselves in the foot by asking for something that they're just taking that warrant. So it's a little bit of both. It's, it's frankly kind of more of the that that I think people underselling themselves. But you know, but then I have also seen some some great things where companies will you know they'll pay more than they have to or they should. Because the person is just kind of unrealistic, but they recognize, hey, I can't pay this woman or this person less than others just because they don't know their worth. So, you know, if they would ask me, would they prove it? That's nice to hear that they have that kind of integrity, generosity. Yeah. If somebody wants to get a job, can they reach out to hire well and be like, hey, here's my resume, here's my, like, instead of, of like, I, I just, yeah, I just recently met a, uh, a, a new friend and he just finished getting his master's degree in accounting. And he's just like, all right, I, yeah, you know, and he's, I was like, give me your resume. I'll pass it out to my friends. But like, is it, what, what do you recommend? Do they go on? Is there like a, a, a platform that they can just, you know, actually apply yep. or? You do it. It's hirewell, H-I-R-E-W-E-L-L.com. Uh, you can email it to contact at hirewell.com. Um, you know, write us on LinkedIn, name it. We're out there. So yeah, we'd love to help. Okay. Amazing. And did they pay a fee when they're the one? Yep try find a job or how does that work i mean it's always i mean so our clients are the companies that are hiring that's always kind of an important differentiator but anybody who's asking job seekers to pay money for help like you need to if you need to run you don't want to pay anybody to help finding a job two years ago i was like i want to get on more for-profit boards i spend my career in the nonprofit sector a lot of nonprofit boards where it's giving all these services away for free and at this point in my career, I, you know, I had somebody invite me out of for-profit boards. And I was like, this is way better. They pay everything. They pay, they could be, you know, dividends paid. And the value is just hired. So I was like, I want to get some more for-profit boards. So there was like a third-party group that I paid. Utterly useless. Didn't make one introduction. I actually got myself onto three boards in the time yeah. frame. And I remember just, and then I all reviews of just disappointment. Yeah. So that's good to know. So send, so you guys, you get paid by the person that's actually making the match from the from the employer side. Correct. And that's the way to go about it. They could just go on. Yes, yeah, so it does make it a little tough because really, you know, clients are paying us to find people who are a pretty spot on match to what they yeah. hire for. So if you're looking to make a career pivot, like a you know, or like get into a new industry, like recruiters probably aren't the best bet, or like search from them aren't really the best bet. You should you know really work on focusing your own network, people you know at various organizations that you're interested in. Gotcha. But if you're trying to stay. What about somebody right out of school where they don't have a lot of experience to just have school? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's typically, you know, we're like ours and either executive level or kind of like mid-career is the most common. We have some clients who come for entry level, but yeah, I mean, it, your first job's the hardest to get. You just have so, to expand your network. You have to just kind of go through your, you know, your university should be able to help you with, 
you know, kind of career placement and things like that. So just you tap into the alumni network is so that the route you want to go. So executive level uh, to upper management, mid-careers. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. That's helpful to know. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to share? I'm mindful of the time. Thank you again for coming on the show. But is there anything else you want to share before oh, you jump off? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Matt. Really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to learning more about Hirewell as I uh, have companies I'm going to need to hire for. <laughs> I appreciate it, Lizzie. Thanks. Thanks so much. Do you need help with the next steps for your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, estate attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call to schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at www.capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube.